Welcome to Generation Podcast, where we have real conversations about how God is working through this generation. My name's Josh Mann, and joining me in the studio for the very first time in a number of weeks is Samuel Haywood. That's me. What's up? What's up? What's up? (laughs) And we have, for the very, very first time, Michelle Nguyen. Hey, Joshy. Hey, Sam. Long time listener, show. first time caller. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, that's, that's good. How long were you thinking about that before you started? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little while. The whole drive. It's like, I need a line. <laughs> What's my opening line? <laughs> I'm here. And of, and of course, we have our buttons guy, ben, Benjamin Trainer. Just Yeah, wheeling and dealing behind the scenes. Making sure everything sounds great. So thank you, Ben. But yeah, Michelle, you're you're part of the teaching team. You're part of the team that researches all these podcasts. So welcome aboard in the uh, the podcast. Thank you. It's lovely to see where the magic happens. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully yeah. it's magic. <laughs> but Michelle, just to, so the listeners can get to know you a little bit, you were you're a, you'd recently got married. I did. So you were one of these COVID marriages. <laughs> <laughs> Briefly explain to us what that was like. Yeah. Well. We, so it was Drew and I, we got married <clears throat> on our original date, original plan date, and we had four of our, no, I had four of my closest friends there. Um, there were five of us in the room. Paul Lucas conducted the ceremony and it was good fun. It was good fun. My sister was there, Jason Harrison was there, and we're married. Nice. Wow. That's it. How good is that? <laughs> the important bit is done. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Sign some papers, cut some cake. Save some money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was more within Drew's budget. Yeah. This wedding was all within his budget. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can we leave that in, please? Yes. Of course. That's in case brilliant. you didn't know, Michelle's a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, oh my gosh. But like is, is there ever, is there gonna be a plan for like celebration and have a reception at some point? Yeah, I mean, because we had to cancel about a month out, everything oh. is already paid for. So the plan is to have a big oh, one-year anniversary celebration next year. Nice. So we'll do the reception, we'll do the whole shebang. Um, and look, if we're married in a year, calls for celebration. Nice. <laughs> That'll be great. That'll be like the best first anniversary of a wedding ever. Yeah, and I'm hoping, look, no pressure, all the, it's all, all the legalities are done. We're just mm. having fun. Yeah, that's great. That'll be great. Could be a new normal for weddings. Yeah. Doubt it, but <laughs> probably not. Could be. <laughs> but this week's episode, we're looking at intimacy with God when we're on the mountaintop, when mm. actually life is going well. Mm. Last week, we uh, we looked at the idea of intimacy when you know you, you're facing grief, you're suffering, and so it's the the opposite of this. When we're on the mountaintop, how do we actually become intimate with God, right? And so let's flesh out this idea of mountaintop because. Sam has this almighty proverb, <laughs> many, many mountains, many valleys. There are many mountains, many valleys. Nice. So when, good one. when we're talking about mountaintop, what actually do we mean by that, Sam? That is a great question because it's an obscure thing to say when we're on the mountaintop. <laughs> I think we just used it just because it sounded cool. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, mountaintop experiences when you're on a high, life's going well, you've achieved something, maybe you got the new job. You got married to the new guy, Michelle. What's up? What's up? Um, It's those moments in life where it's kind of like a camp high, you know? It's just that pinnacle of just rush and excitement. And maybe the things you've been praying for for a long time have come through. And you're at the end of the road, the light at the tunnel, you're standing there and you're like, wow, I got what I was praying for. I achieved my goal. I'm out of the valley. This is awesome. Mm. Those moments in life. Yeah, it's like the... 
to use a biblical term, it's like the promised land that, yes. that you're yearning for. It's like finally crossing the Jordan River and getting into the promised yeah. land. Yeah. But do you reckon, Michelle, do you reckon you actually ever identify if you're on that mountaintop or do you just sort of pass it off that it's, oh, yeah, it's a good thing? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think when you're plodding along, if you, I think if you do have a set goal and you achieve it, there's a measurable and a tangible way to see whether you're on the mountaintop. Yeah. But I think if your perspective of a mountaintop is a little bit different, it could be a subjective view of, you know, what being on top of the mountain is. Yeah. I think it could be hard to see when you've achieved it. If you're living and you're content with life and you're joy filled in the way that you go about your day to day, that's your mountaintop. Mm. It might be hard to recognize when it comes along. It's like that, that analogy with like the frog and the boiling water. Yeah, that's good. If he jumps into boiling water, he knows. Yeah. But if he if he like reaches for a mountaintop, he'll know. But if he's p- plodding along and suddenly the the temperature gets turned up one degree by one mm. degree, maybe he won't know. Yeah. Wow. So like it's the idea of if our life, if we're just content with our life, mm. does that count as being on the mountaintop? Well, here's an interesting thing for you. I think it connects a lot with the idol of success. Yeah. So I had this realization couple of weeks ago, it was one of my COVID repentance moments where I was like, oh, this is what God's doing in me. And I kind of realized that I was like super unsatisfied with my where my life was at. And then I was praying about it and the Holy Spirit rebuked me really harshly. He was like, where you are right now, you were, you were praying for like crazy two years ago and yeah. I gave it to you. And you thought it was a mountaintop. And now that you're on the mountaintop that you prayed for two years ago. You're miserable. And uh, he just showed me, he was like, that's what the idol of success does. It's always over-promising and under-delivering. Mm. And it always says, you'll be happy when you get there, but you never will be. The mountain will never be high enough for mm. you when you get there. You'll always want a higher mountain. Yeah. And I think when I realized it and I repented over it, and it was a serious repentance because I was like, I can't change my heart. I actually can't be content without the Holy Spirit knocking down this idol. And as the Lord worked on my heart, I've actually become more content. And now I'm looking at my life going, this is awesome. I can't believe I get to do this. Like, look at all these amazing things the Lord has given me, all these amazing people. What I get to do every single day is so cool. This is a mountaintop experience that I didn't actually see yeah. A month ago. Yeah. That's come from contentment. It's come from contentment. Yeah. And that's the whole idea. Like when you're in school, you're just waiting to get to uni. Mm-hmm. And when you're in uni, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I just can't wait to get a full-time job. Then you get a full-time job, you're like, oh, I just want that promotion. Yeah. It's that, it plays into that whole thing. So yeah. when, we're, when we're speaking about mountaintop, maybe it is a bit more of, you know, being being content and, and thinking about you know, switching that perspective. Mm. Um but when we do reach those goals, when mm-hmm. we do theoretically get that promotion, yeah, it's it's in those moments. That's what we're talking about yes. today. It's in those moments. How do we seek intimacy? Because I think the the easiest thing to do is is to forget God in that mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, I've made it. Sweet, thanks so much, right? So when when we are in those moments, whether you've got the the mark you want at the ATAR you want for school, or you've achieved the marks in uni, or you got that job that you want, where and how can we get this into me? But what do we what do we usually focus on? Do you reckon when we when we get there? Mm. Well, I mean, observationally, we're pretty good at pursuing God when we're in a valley. <laughs> um, 
we'll, we'll notice our lives ebb and flow in our relationship with God. And it's, it's pretty much tied to circumstance a lot of the time. I think if, if we look back at moments of valley and suffering, like we talked about last week, we're obviously saying those are the moments where your faith grows because you pursue God like crazy when you're suffering because you're desperate for hope. And then all of a sudden, when God gets you out of the valley and maybe he gives you the thing that you've been praying for, like I would say in my experience, seven times out of 10, like seven out of 10 people, it's, it's, I've, yeah. I've never heard anyone say seven out of ten. Like, sorry. I'm just okay. like thinking about a real statistic. Okay, like correct. the people that I speak to, probably yeah. seven out of ten people, their relationship with, with God would really change when they're on the mountaintop. They would stop pursuing Him mm. with that intensity. They'd stop praying. They'd stop seeking after His will for them. Um, they'd stop that kind of sense of desperation and longing after God when they're on the mountaintop. And I think that really reveals our heart because it shows us we weren't praying for God to get him. We were praying to God to get us out of our valley. And when he did get us out of our valley, we kind of like discarded him. And I think that's a really scary thing. Like the tendency is when we're in the mountaintop to not pursue him because we're not desperate. So so what behaviors do you think do we stop? In, when, when, when we're on the mountaintop. Michelle, what, what do you reckon we, we get rid of? Sam, you were saying, I think it's right, and, but I'm just trying to think practically. Mm-hmm. When we're there and we become less reliant on God, what is, it, what is it that we change, do you think? I think as Sam was touching on, that that desperation, that dependency isn't there. I think we then, when we're on the mountaintop, we trick ourselves into thinking that we're in control again. Mm-hmm. Those idols of success and control come back into play where uh, we we then go from God, take me here or take me there. It, it becomes like, wow, we deserve to be on this mountaintop because we did this. Mm-hmm. We got ourselves out of this. <laughs> we endured and persevered through this awful circumstance and now we're at the mountaintop and we deserve to be here. How good are we? Mm. And I think it just takes that focus away from God and his provision and it shifts it onto ourselves and our abilities. Yeah. So do you think we 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 want to control our life when it's going well, but when it's not going well, we want to shift control to God? It's almost we want to take credit when it's going well. Mm. Yeah. And why is that? Is it just the natural inclination of our heart, do you think? Yeah, it can be. It It takes a lot of maturity mm. to actually pursue God for God. You know, I think it's really, really easy to trick ourselves into thinking that at the end of the day, we just want him. I think we're, we're pretty s- smart in the fact that we know God's pretty good at getting us out of bad situations because he loves us and he's powerful. And so we'll go to him when we need something from him. But that's the hard question. It's like when you're on the mountaintop, you don't need anything from God. Mm. You really do have to just pursue him for the sake of enjoying him. And it at that moment, it really becomes intimacy for the sake of intimacy. And I think it really shows what Christians are really Christians in the sense that what Christians are really pursuing God out of a motivation of love and which are just pursuing God out of a motivation of, I know you're the most powerful and you can get me what I want. Um, And I think that's where we want to get to is like, okay, maybe I'm on a mountaintop. What's my tendency on a mountaintop? Am I pursuing him? 
on the mountaintop or do I actually stop pursuing him when I get there? It's, a, it's almost like a yardstick to measure yeah. to measure your faith, so to speak, if we can in, in this earth, is when when your life is going well, who do you turn to? Mm-hmm. Are you still turning to God for, for your comfort, for, your, your, for him to provide, or do you claim it for yourself? Yeah. And we're talking about briefly earlier, it's, it's often unintentional, mm. this idea of claiming it for yourself. And we can almost do it, it just becomes, it's just subconscious. We mm. get there and it's unintentional and all of a sudden we realise, oh, where's, where's our intimacy with God mm-hmm. gone, right? Yeah, well, let me put it this way. Um, say, for example, you have a pretty clear picture in your head of what the mountaintop is and you start climbing the mountain and the mountaintop is... I really want that job Mm. or I really want that relationship or I really want to be out of this situation. Maybe it's even disease or sickness Um, and you're praying like crazy and your prayer life consists of God. Would you do what it takes to get me this thing that's in my heart? Would you take this other thing away from me? Lord, would you give me this spouse? Would you give me, I want to be married. Um, And I mean, sometimes we have to be real with ourselves and say, you're only pursuing God because you want him to give you something. And when you get it, suddenly you start to worship that thing um, because it's it was an idol the whole time. Mm. And so when you get the job, you start to pour all of yourself into your job and you start to pour all of yourself into this relationship, all of yourself into this thing, whatever it is. And you discard God. And what you're doing is you're worshiping this thing as God. But inevitably, what will happen is, because it isn't God, it'll let you down. You'll burn out. You'll break your relationship because you're not focusing on the Lord. Um, And then it breaks and you fall back off the mountain. And then you come to God and you're like, God, my relationship broke down. (laughs) It's a cycle. It's a cycle. God, I'm not happy in my career. I need a new job. And you go back to God and you start pursuing him again. And in his grace Mm. and in his mercy and in his patience, he will work with you on the process to climb that mountain again. But at some point, whichever mountain it is, you have to come to the realization you're not worshiping God. You're worshiping other things and you're involving God in the process. It's when you get to the end of yourself and you realize this will never be enough. Mm. No job, no relationship will ever be enough for me. God, God to change my heart. Then, no matter where you are, whether it's in the valley or halfway up the mountain or on a mountaintop, you can have joined the Lord yep. immediately. Yeah. So how, how do you identify if your heart has that posture? It's so hard, man. <laughs> you almost need someone to point it out, really, don't you? Or you need God to just crush you a little bit and take that idol away. Like the idol of success thing, when we did the last season... I felt like that was when... Did you research that, Michelle? I was power. You were power, yeah. Same thing. Power, success. Very very much. Wow. They're they're all pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. When we did that episode, I had been literally flattened by the Holy Spirit on that. As we spoke about, like, I figured this is the biggest issue in my life. And I thought I had dealt with it. And then when we got all the way to COVID season, I realized, no, I haven't dealt with it. I thought that I had dealt with it, but I just realized in that moment that worshiping God and being humble was going to get me more success. Yeah. And it was, I was just like totally trapped in this thing. And then it was, like I said, it was when I realized, why am I miserable right now? If I'm miserable, I have a problem. 
I have an idle problem if I'm miserable. And it has if it's clinical depression, different story. But if I'm miserable, it's an idle problem. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're still worshiping success. And he showed me, it was like my eyes were open to it for the first time. I actually realized I am where I prayed to be two years ago and I'm not happy. And I'm just thinking about the next thing. Oh my goodness, this will happen for the rest of my life. Yeah. This is what they say. You can never have enough success. Oh my gosh, it's actually true. I never thought it was actually true. I thought, yeah, well, sure. I mean, in my heart of hearts, I thought surely I could be more happy if I had more success. And I think it was when I saw it, it was the first time I realized I can't get myself out of this. This is, I'm actually enslaved to this idol of success. And then I brought it before God. I said, you have to do something. And weirdly he did. And now I'm in this position and it's super weird where I'm like, I could just not preach again and I'd be cool. You know, like our church could not grow and I'd be cool. I could stay here forever and just love you guys. And I would genuinely be content. I've, this is the first time I've ever been able to say that. Yeah. Do you reckon people know you played that line? <laughs> ben, the one man made, made a funny joke and wasn't recording the first time. So, <laughs> Anyway. It was pretty funny. Yeah. It was good. Just for us, though. No one will ever know what it was. Uh, we have Michelle in the studio today. Hi, Ben. It's very great to have you here, Michelle. We also have another person in the studio today. No. Who I've organised. <laughs> who's not in the room. I love it when this happens. Oh, Hello yeah. to Mr... Andrew Neal. Hello. Oh, Hello. oh my gosh. Yes. What content? Welcome, Drew. How are we feeling? Yeah, feeling good. <laughs> That's good. Um, we've had Michelle uh, on the show today. She's been brilliant so far. So far. Let's see what happens now that my <laughs> husband's on the line. This is great. Great content. Yeah. This is very good. For those who don't know, um, Michelle and Andrew recently got married, so I thought it'd be nice to have Andrew as a little guest on here. And Drew is going to host our segment today. Um, He's got a proverb for us and he's going to be the judge. So, um, Drew, just so you know, the score is currently um, Sam is up 3 1. Um, we've had one guest on, that was Sibley, he's on zero. So, Michelle could poll a guest vote today. Could Should Josh up. and I team up? No. Oh. Fair enough. No, you I would, feel you good about it. Trust me, Michelle. You Michelle's going to win. No, no, so. You wouldn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Drew, can you read us the proverb, please? Yeah. Okay. Radishes and greens, each have those who love them. Did it run you? Go again. Go again. Okay. Radishes and greens, each have those who love them. Wow. Radishes and green, each have those who love them. Yeah, it's radishes and greens, each have those who love them. Such a hard one again. Mm. Can I text you, Ben? Yeah, you'll be texting me, everyone. I'll read them out and then um, my good friend Andrew will adjudicate for us. Radishes and greens each have those who love them. <laughs> okay. I'm drawing blanks here. <laughs> Michelle's inserted an emoji, so Oh. You're gonna read that out, right? Yeah. That's amazing. No one's ever done an emoji before. Neil, extra points for Michelle because she's done an emoji if there's a point system that you're doing. <laughs> she's got all my points. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, gonna fall go on my sword. I've, I've definitely put in some sort of bias in here. I'm falling on my sword this one. Another okay. L for you, Sam. Another L, so like taking an L. Um, okay, well, after I read them, keep quiet. Because you both often judge before the judge gets to it. So And it does influence. Yeah, it influences, so please don't. 
I don't want to influence Drew. Joshua, you keep te- you're still texting, but you've already sent me. Are you changing something? You got somewhere else to be? Are you sending peripheral texts? Ooh. Is it a blind reading? <laughs> you're not going to tell him who says what, right? No, I'm telling him who says what. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, the, okay. lawyer, the lawyer is <laughs> being um, disregarded. Drew, I'm going to read them out, and then you are going to read the meeting after I read them out. Okay? Yeah. Copy that. Josh has said, people are loved no matter how unlovable. Radishes suck. <laughs> okay. So radishes and greens each have those who love them. People are loved no matter how unlovable. Hold on. Uh, Sam said, eating healthy food is good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, true. I knew I wasn't going to win. So yeah. Um, and then Michelle has said, "Everyone belongs." Heart emoji. <laughs> I like that. Sweet. That's good. Okay, Drew. Would you like to read out the meaning? So one man's meat is another man's poison, or each to his own. Didn't you have that last week? No, it was a few weeks ago. Different proverbs. Same meaning. <laughs> wow. So radishes and greens each have those who love them. One man's meat is another man's poison. Or each to his own. Neil, what do you think? Did you get a good listen to them? Do you want me to read them again to you? Uh, none of them are ideal. That's true. They never are. That's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> We're not good at this game. We know that by now. I mean, emojis is the only bonus points I've got, but is that really biased if I pick Michelle? Oh my gosh. Are we about to get a guest win? I think so. Neil, yeah, it's totally yeah, up look, to you. Uh, yeah, I'm going straight with Michelle. Emojis is the win for me. Oh, well done. Wait, I can finally use this. <laughs> I can't win now. That's it. You've, oh yeah. Well, maybe I'll do um, last last goal wins. <laughs> All or nothing. Thanks for joining Go us, Joshy. Drew. Uh, Great charging, go. bruv. Talk to you later. Well done, Drew. And I was just thinking when Sam was saying that, Michelle, we um, we led a grade together at Crossside, our local youth group. She's oh, wearing the a shirt today. I am. I'm wearing the Impact yeah, shirt. Oh, how good. 100%. And that grade were very close to our heart. Um, we love you, Eagles. Exactly, exactly. But um, I think there was a moment where both of us, like Sam was saying, there was a moment where we both realised that we sort of idolised success and yeah. idolized the, you know the wanting our grade to grow and grow and grow do you want to flesh out when that was and what happened there was a moment <laughs> and i think it, it is very true to say that we were idolizing success and even though you know josh now we probably thought there were very pure motives yeah. we wanted to see the kids mm. come we wanted to see them bringing their friends but ultimately we just forgot that it was about God and it's these are his kids and this is his ministry and he will grow and use it in the way that he chooses to and in his time. Um, and look, there was a moment, I think it was a day when there were like three eagles who came and we were crushed by it. It was one of those mm. things where that moment where Josh and I were like crying to each other because we were crushed by the results of what was happening at, at ministry, it kind of dawned upon us that it was like, no, it's um, God's given us three kids. Yeah. And then Josh and I sort of, we looked at each other, we prayed and we just said, 
look, if it's God's plan for us to take these three kids to the end of year 12 and to make them um, good and faithful servants and disciples of Christ, then that's what we're going to do. And mm-hmm. we sat there and that's what we decided. Yeah. And God blessed the ministry from, from that point, but that wasn't, you know, on us. I think it's when we let go, when we decided to just do what we could with what God had given us, that's when we saw the ministry thrive. Exactly. And, and what we're saying in that, what you're saying in that, in saying the Sam, is often we need God to show us that mm. we're, mm-hmm. we're idolizing success. Mm. And so when we're, ta- when we're thinking about how do, we, how, we, how do we check our heart when we're on the mountaintop, yeah. hopefully it doesn't get to the, the fact that God has to crush you and you're crying and you don't know what to do. He but, loves you enough to do it, though. Exactly, and that, that's the thing. And he's done it in our lives. He's done it in your in mm. in your life, Sam. And he's probably going to continue to do it. Yeah. You know, as we go on. So I think in this moment, when you, if you're listening right now and you're kind of maybe in that on that mountaintop and wondering where your motive of your your motive of your heart is, press into God and, and ask Him because I'm mm. sure He'll give you an answer. Mm. Um, and really check yourself. You know. Check yourself and where you're at and where your heart's at because if you're in this moment where you're on the mountaintop and you're claiming it for yourself, then we really want to speak against that. Mm. And we really want to say, actually, who who are you worshipping in this moment? Mm. Are you worshipping the God that got you there mm. or are you worshipping the idol that you've created for yourself? Yeah. And I think as well, Josh, it's the hardest place to realise that because you have – what your heart desires. And so you don't feel the pain and the loss of not having it. And so you just feel good. It's actually in the valley that it's easy. Like when you feel crushed, when you had that moment at youth Mm. group, I mean, you're probably asking yourself the question, why am I so crushed? There's clearly something wrong here. Mm. And it's easier to realize that something's a problem in the valley. But when you're on the mountaintop and you've got a thousand kids in your grade, you could be idolizing it just as much but have no idea whatsoever and i guarantee if god hadn't put covid on my ministry i probably would have sailed through life in ministry and just been like yeah i'm fine i don't idolize success because we had it but when it was taken away i was like why do i feel so terrible and god goes well it took something away (laughs) so i think that's it's harder to realize it when you're on the mountaintop. Yeah. Can you can you realize it when you're on the mountaintop? Yeah. How? <laughs> Pray about it. Yeah. Right now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do yeah. a diagnostic. Be like, has your relationship with God changed since you got here? Mm. But the thing is, being on the mountaintop is a good thing. Yeah. It's yes. it's a gift from God. Mm-hmm. But I think we've just got to do well to remember one, whose mountain it is. Yeah. And two, how you got there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly right. And it's, and it's in that season. I'm, even I'm thinking now of a time where, you know, a couple of years ago I got a new job and it was hard for the first couple of months and I've spoken about this on the podcast before and I was really leaning to God. Um, and now I've changed jobs and I've got the promotion, so to speak. Yeah. And I think my intimacy with God subconsciously has d- diminished a little mm-hmm. bit, has lessened a little bit since he delivered me, so to speak, yeah. to that mountaintop. Yeah. Um, and yes, I'm enjoying it. And as Michelle said, it's important that we enjoy the season mm-hmm. because God gives us gifts for a reason and they, that is to enjoy it. But it's also important to stop and think, okay, well, what am I worshipping right now? Mm. So when we are yeah. when we are on 
a mountaintop, what should we be doing? Oh, man, enjoying it, you know? Yeah. In a, in a healthy way. We don't want to have false humility, which is something Josh brought up <laughs> earlier, which is when you're on a mountaintop, you like feel guilty for being in a good place. Yeah. Mm. And you're like, oh man, I shouldn't be feeling good. Christians aren't supposed to feel good. I'm not enjoying this whatsoever. And then kind of downplaying the whole thing and being like, oh no, I know. You guys just take these blessings. And it's almost like um, we were chatting about if, if someone like your auntie gave you a present at Christmas, um, say it was a Nerf gun, all right? And, great uh, gift. Great gift. Solid gift. Thanks, <laughs> And uh, you were like falsely humble. You were like, oh, I don't play with guns. I don't need this. I'm going to give this to a child in need, right? Um, ben just laughed. Child in need of Nerf guns. Child in need of Nerf guns. And you're like... That's every child, by the way. <laughs> you kind of... And let's say it's this sense of false humility where you're like oh i don't deserve to be on a mountaintop um i'm going to give this away you're actually dishonoring your auntie because she wanted to give you that gift to um love you and bless you and the best way that you can honor her is to say oh my goodness thank you so much for giving me this nerf gun take it out of the box and play with it and let her see the joy on your face of the gift that she gave to you when we're on the mountaintop what we don't want to do is try and get off the mountain in a sense of false humility, thinking that it's holy to be in a valley. It's not holier to be in a valley. It's not holier to be poor. It's about your heart. When you're on the mountaintop, the best thing that you can do, like when you get the promotion, when you get married, when you're suddenly in a season of financial blessing and increase, when suddenly your health is amazing, what's the best thing to do? Actually, as Michelle said, know who owns the mountain. Go to God and say, you're the best. Thank you so much for this. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to be generous. But is giving the praise and honor back to where it's due. Hmm. That's a, there's a, there's a fine line though there, right? Because we, hmm. we want to enjoy it, but sometimes the fruit of you enjoying it turns into arrogance. Can. Do you think sometimes? It can. So, uh, I don't remember who said this. I think it was C.S. Lewis, I think. I was going to say, it's probably me. <laughs> yeah, Josh Mann. It's probably Josh Mann. <laughs> but let's just say, hypothetically... On the topic was... of humility. <laughs> <laughs> I heard something amazing. Probably yeah. Josh Mann. You know, Actually, I today, I was... That <laughs> um, anyway, he said... Um, the enjoyment, and I'm butchering this, but he basically said the enjoyment of something can't terminate on itself. It actually has to end in worship for you to enjoy it completely. So he said, if you eat a steak and you're just like, this steak is the best thing in the world, that's only partial enjoyment. But when you eat a steak and you know who made the steak and you worship the one who made it as amazing for making such a good steak, then your enjoyment of that thing actually increases more than it could have if you didn't honor the one who made it. So he says, basically what he's saying is, in your relationship with God, if God gives you something good and your enjoyment of it terminates on the thing, you're not enjoying it as much as you could enjoy it. But if God gives you something good and you give him praise and thanks and honor as you enjoy it, that's the highest possible enjoyment of anything when it's actually connected to the worship of the one who created it, which is why Romans says that our problem 
is that we worshipped and served created things instead of the creator. Mm. Our job is to worship the creator of the things. So when we get a good thing, we don't worship the thing, which is the problem of humanity. That's the problem of sin. We worship the stuff God created, like work and sex and money. He created all of those things. Our enjoyment stops when we worship the thing, but it could increase when we worship the thing maker. Mm. Do you think that's because we then realize the character of God in that? We, we understand that God wants to give us good things and that changes our perspective a little bit rather than yeah. just claiming it for ourselves and enjoying the thing for what it is or enjoying the situation for what it is. Mm-hmm. If we understand that God gave us that and God created that, mm-hmm. then would that then move our heart posture from a selfish motive to one of gratitude? Gratitude, Yeah, Definitely. which is what Michelle said. She said, get you know, you need to know whose mountain it was and who got you on the mountain. Mm. And if you know that God was the one that gave it to you, then you can say, God, you're so good. You didn't need to give me this Mm. job. You didn't need to give me this financial increase, this spouse, this health, but you did. You're such a good father. Yeah. So practically, I say that a lot. (laughs) I love it. Practically, how can you enjoy God? Short of just going around, oh, how good God. You know, how how can you actually do this? in a positive way i think just starting by thanking god for the Mm. things that he's given you i think having that attitude of gratitude Mm. um starting your prayers off by praising and thanking rather than asking Mm -hmm. for things right and as sam was talking before paraphrasing his quote another quote sprung to mind as well that it was like if you woke up tomorrow with the things that you thanked god for today what would you have and it's one of those things that I've actually heard a lot. And every time I hear it, it's it cuts a little bit because you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't even thanked I haven't thanked God for my food today mm. or for my shelter. Things that we yeah, don't depend on. I'm doing that in air quotes, not that you can see. <laughs> um, but that's it. It's that it's cultivating that attitude of gratitude. And, go, and coming to God and acknowledging how good he is for yeah. giving us these gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And as you were saying that, another thing that sprung to mind is, I guess, using those gifts that he's given you in that season to bless others too. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think giving springs to mind straight away. Yeah. When you are in a season where you maybe you've made more money than you ever have before, mm-hmm. to give that to others, to, to use that to build God's kingdom is, yeah. is one way we can... We can enjoy that moment, mm-hmm. but also worship God in the process. It's good, um, and I think it really it's really poignant to say, in, in in particular in this, no matter what season you're in, whether you have little money or a lot of money, mm-hmm. particularly when it comes to giving, you need to always practice that mm. that art of giving. <laughs> because yes. if you don't practice it when you got little, you're not going to do it when you got a lot. Yeah, the Bible says that exactly. He who is faithful in little will be faithful with much. Yeah, specifically, and I think. For any young adults that are listening that are uni students, you I think I'm just gonna be straight up and say you need to you need to start giving now. Yeah. Not because it's a ticker box thing to be a Christian. No, no, it's 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 to grow and enhance your um, generosity for one, but also to show God and to worship him mm. with your finances. Because when you get to that mountaintop, yeah, you wanna be able to do the same. That's this is what we're saying. When you're on the mountaintop, when everything's good, you need to make sure there's processes, so to speak, yeah. in place that so that you do worship him. Yeah. Um, I think for me, my wife, Beck, she was awesome 
in that, in training me mm. to do that, is she was awesome in saying, you know, what, our money, it's not, it's not our money, it's mm. God's money. Yeah. And so whatever situation we're in, whether we've got a lot of money, whether we've got a, 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 not, not much, a little, anyway. <laughs> no <laughs> I money? A, I think I just had a brain aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> whether you've got a lot or mm. whether, whether we have a little, she's always encouraged us to, to think about when, when we can give it away, to think mm. about what, what places we can, we can give that to. I think that's really... That's awesome. Really in, in being ingrained yeah. into our relationship, which is amazing. Yeah. I know I don't want to take that for granted because there's a lot of people, I think, who can get stuck in, in the idea of keeping it for themselves. Yeah, it's good. And it's a, it's a sense of security because a lot of the times we keep things for ourselves because we're afraid of losing it. It's like storing up for ourselves. We're like, oh, I can't give it away because then I won't be able to... What if something bad happens? Because mm. giving is actually about trust. You give to show that you trust God. That's good. That's the whole point of the Sabbath, you know, and, and giving is so tied to Sabbath. It's this idea of yeah. you you cannot work for a day. God promises, hey, if you take a Sabbath off, you're not going to enter financial ruin. <laughs> it's a sign of you trusting him. Yeah. Um, and it's the same with your giving. That's why he says, give me the first 10% of what you make as a sign that I am in control of your life. It's actually giving control yeah back to god so in those mountaintop moments who are we trusting yeah Hmm. are we trusting god yeah and also there's this idea of walking with others who are maybe not quite on the mountain Mm. when we're you know when these series um seasons of of joy and contentment yeah how can how can we practically do that Mm. yeah well the word says those of you who are strong bear with those who are weak and I I really love that passage because it shows the power of community and God has us all on a journey of faith together. And God knows that in a community of believers, he's going to be bringing some into a season of prosperity and mountaintop and he's going to be walking with others through a valley. And he knows that. And he's actually ordained and intertwined our lives together in such a way. And it's really amazing how he does this. And I notice this all the time that God rarely puts every single person in a church through a valley of depression at the same time. There's actually always seems to be this beautiful tapestry where enough people are on a good season of life so that they can bear with those that are in a, in a bad season of life. And I think that's to say we have a responsibility when we're on the mountaintop to lift up those who are in the valley because maybe next month we'll be in the valley and they'll mm. be on the mountaintop. And that applies to your finances. So when when you're doing really well financially, it's literally our obligation to give to those in our midst who don't have enough Mm. because that's what it means to be a community of believers. But we can also take that to your mental health. Like if you're just feeling you're in a season of just really good mental health, then you have the emotional capacity to go and help someone who's down in the dumps um, and it's, it's kind of like that with a lot of different things. Maybe you're in a really easy season of work and you have extra margin. How can you help someone out who's overburdened with their, with their work, with their family life, with their ministry? How can you bear with the, pe- the people that are in the valleys? Yeah, and that's, I think that's so important. We're, so, we're called to do that as Christians, but yeah. it's so easily not to do that because we've got a selfish motive of our heart sometimes, mm-hmm. well, all the time. 
Um, and so I think uh, it's really, really, really important. We need to enjoy the season. And perhaps true humility is enjoying and giving thanks to God. Mm-hmm. Because when we, when we enjoy it for ourselves, that's not humility. Um, and so we need, we need to practice humility, enjoy it, give thanks to God, know, as Michelle said, know who created the mountain. Mm. Because you didn't get there by yourself. You didn't create the mountain for yourself. God created that mountain for you, mm. and he's helped you get there. So give thanks to the one who got us there. And so in that moment, why is intimacy better than anything else? Why intimacy with God when you're on the mountaintop? Mm, That's good. A, God doesn't lie to you. Um, God, when he says I'm all satisfying, he's not lying. He actually is. Um, Every other um, thing in life will tell you the same thing, but it's not true. Um, so if you're on a mountaintop, um, and you have whatever got you there telling you, Hey, if you keep climbing this mountain of success, you'll be even happier. It's not true. It's actually not true. You'll always feel like you're never actually at the top of the mountain, that there's always another summit to climb. But if you have intimacy with God on the top of the mountain, you can actually be filled with joy and peace and contentment for as long as you have your eyes fixed on him. Even when you go back down the valley, that doesn't have to change. And I think that's really important to realize things that aren't God, that you worship as God, will always overpromise mm. and mm. underdeliver. Yeah. And God always promises, delivers what he promises. Nice. It's it's the intimacy is the key to breaking that cycle. Yeah. If we're intimate with God, we will truly have enjoyment in that situation. Mm-hmm. And we won't need to do anything else. We won't have that that idol speaking into our life saying, you need more, you need more, you need yeah. more. And then it doesn't matter if you're on a mountain or in a valley. Because, you know, Paul said, I've learned to be content in all things, whether I have riches or poor in, you know, whatever the heck he says in that verse. I don't know. But you guys probably know the verse. But he says, I've learned the secret to being content in all yeah. things. And the secret that he's talking about is Christ. And that's, it. it's almost like intimacy with God flattens the mm. landscape. I was going to say that. So good. I, I also had the same thought. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you that exact question. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Paul is saying intimacy with God flattens the landscape. That's so Where good. you're not constantly going through mountains and valleys and constantly working, striving, running uphill, trying to get to the next mountain so you can suddenly feel good again. Paul is saying, I've learned what it means, the secret of being content in all seasons of life, whether I have everything or whether I have nothing whether I get the job or whether I get fired, I can still have joy because Christ is literally enough. Mm. Wow. When you have intimacy with Christ every day, you're on the mountaintop. Yep. I want that. <laughs> I have it. But it's like- interesting that he died on a mountaintop. Christ. Yeah. He died on a hill called Golgotha. Yeah. Literally not connected. But, <laughs> but it sounds cool. <laughs> You, you could probably put that in a sermon and everyone would say amen. Everyone would amen. <laughs> but like, it's true. Yeah. Like When we hear it articulated like you and Michelle have, you, you can't help but be drawn to that idea and be mm. drawn to the fact that there is no mountaintop because you're always on the mountaintop. 
And so surely as a generation, surely as a community, we need to be striving for that, mm-hmm. for intimacy with God no matter what, mm-hmm. so that you can t- are content in all situations. So if you had a couple of tips for people to maybe enter into that space, into true intimacy and mm. contentment, what would you? What would be the those tips? I would say one tip. What would be one tip? What would be one tip? Here's my <laughs> one tip. Don't think so much about mountains and valleys. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Just nice. pursue Him, and it won't matter whether you're on a mountain or in a valley, because He will be enough for you. And that's that's how you get out of the the trickery and this the cyclical nature that the enemy has entrapped you in of constantly telling you. Hey, why don't you climb that mountain? Then you'll be happy. You get you get exhausted climbing mountains. Just stop thinking about climbing the next mountain. Stop worrying so much about getting the promotion, getting the marriage, getting the thing, getting this, getting that, getting more money, getting a better job. It's not going to work. Like stop thinking about it so much. Stop praying for it so much. And when you're praying, instead of fixing your eyes on that, fix your eyes on him. That's my one tip. Nice. Sounded like two, but it was one. That's nice. So we just need to focus on Jesus in all circumstances. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're doing, stop and focus on Jesus. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening today, guys. We hope that, that this has blessed you in your walk with Christ. Just remember that there's studies and devotions available. Click the link in the description of this podcast and, and check us out on version as well. So thank you so much for listening today, guys. And remember, renewal in our generation must start with the renewal of our hearts.